What's up? We're back, the West Buck Show, season two. Let's just call this season two. Like, it's a fresh start. I finally got my my feet underneath me in Texas, and I just wanted to, we've got a dedicated studio now. Check this out. It's unbelievable. Right out here, outside of beautiful Fort Worth, Texas, which I think happens to be one of the most incredible cities in the world. I'm, I'm lucky in that I've gotten to travel a ton in my life, and I've been a lot of cool places. But I'm absolutely in love with this city. I, I love it here in Texas. It's pretty it's pretty legit out there right now. It's like 104 in the shade. But I they say that I'll eventually kind of get used to it. I don't know that you ever really get used to it, but I'll get kind of used to it. So, But uh, no, I'm so excited to be back. I'm glad to, to be in the studio. It's been... It's been a minute. It's been a while since we've routinely or consistently done this. There's been a ton. Obviously, there's been a lot of lot happening in the world, no doubt. We've had all sorts of major crises in our world, and it's kept us on our toes. But everything is fantastic. Drag Illustrated, rocking and rolling. We're getting ready to kick out another issue of the magazine. A huge shout out to, to our team, our squad. I've never, never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be so fortunate to have such incredible people all around me. I'm so lucky to have an amazing team. And we've, d- despite all odds, this has been an uphill battle, but we fought through all the weirdness that exists in the world. I feel we've come out better than we were before. We're a little sharpened, we're hardened. We've we've learned, we've been reacclimated with the value of being adaptable. Like that was a mouthful, but it's true. Like you gotta be reminded every once in a while how valuable it is to be ready, willing, and able to change on a dime, to like make a quick turn. And I'm so, so proud of our whole team. And I'm just glad to kind of settle into some normality. I mean, this feels like getting back into the routine a little bit. So it's exciting, man. Sophia, my daughter turned six this week. We had Dion, Courtney, everybody came over last night. Alicia, what do we have? We ordered barbecue, didn't we? Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Shout out to Railhead Barbecue, Willow Park, Texas. If you're wanting to throw us some food or sponsor us or whatever, look us up. Dion's easy to find. And it's, but that food was phenomenal, man. That's what, what was it? Was that chopped brisket? Yes. I think that's, that's what it said on the menu. Chopped beef. It was legit, bro. Like everything, the food in Texas, there's a lot of things that I like about Texas. The overall sense of community, the pride. I've joked, and I don't want anybody to get all spun out because I, I certainly love my old home of Missouri, and it'll always be home. But like, you just don't see that many people with like Missouri tattoos, you know. But everywhere you go down here, people have Texas tattooed on their arm, on their back, on their calf, or whatever. They've got a giant gold chain with the state on it. I mean, people are proud of living in Texas, and it's something that. If you haven't been exposed to that sort of community pride, I encourage you to seek it out because it's infectious. It's exciting. I had someone ask me this morning, what has been the thing that I like the most about Texas? And I told them that it was the abundance of life. Like people are just doing stuff. I mean, this morning I'm working out in my garage and I bet 20 people walked by my house walking, power walking or whatever. And I'm like, just people are trying to improve themselves. Businesses are booming everywhere you look. There's construction projects going on. Everybody's an entrepreneur, not everybody, but tons of people are entrepreneurs that are trying to do their own thing. And it's just inspiring. And it's cool to be a part of it in some small way. So it's been, 
it's been exciting getting acclimated to Texas and kind of getting our feet underneath us, like I said, but it's it's about time that we we dive back into the routine of a weekly, at least weekly uh, effort to engage our audience. I appreciate so much all the feedback. I've gotten emails, text messages, Facebook messenger uh, messages, uh, DMs on Instagram and everything in between on people asking when we're going to bring the show back. And I had a young guy the other day. 27 years old, starting a transmission business, performance transmission business, send me this like incredible email about how he had developed some of the strategies for his business by listening to the podcast. And I'm like, okay, if if I was waiting on God or the universe to give me a reason to get this deal going again, thank you. I actually sent him a note and I was like, thank you so much for sending this email. It's a reminder that you never know what nice thing you're about to say to someone, like how much it might mean like what they might be going through because who knows. And like for me, I'm in the midst of trying to keep all these businesses rocking and rolling. I've got, there's a lot of balls that we're trying to keep bouncing around here right now. And it's, it's tiring and stressful. And sometimes it's, it's tough to, to continue, not, not to continue, but it's like, it's, it's easy to get beat up by business and life in general. And to get a little bit of encouragement like that in the form of an email from a listener, it was freaking awesome. So thank you for that so much. Remember my email address is Wes at drag That's probably the best way to communicate with me. And I, I appreciate it. I read them. I appreciate it. I reply to as many of the messages as I possibly can. And I have to pinch myself uh, damn near daily that people even email me or care what I have to say about anything. So it's very, very exciting. And I'm glad to be back in the saddle. I think that our plan right now is it's it's um ever evolving. Is that fair? The plan for the podcast is kind of ever evolving. We're, we're trying to settle in to a routine, something that we can repeat consistently to do time and time again, working with our writers at Drag Illustrated, uh, my partner in crime, as always, Mike Carpenter, Nate Van Wagen, the editor in chief of the magazine, Josh Hatchett, our senior editor at the magazine, and of course, uh, Murder Tundra offering his input, and now our new executive producer, uh, Dion Walrath, and just kind of everybody working together to make sure this thing happens every week. We, we've heard you loud and clear. We're back. I think this thing is going to primarily live on YouTube and, uh, you know, all the iTunes, uh, Google play, Spotify, et cetera, all the different podcast outlets. We're going to still dabble in Facebook and Instagram or whatever, but I think we want to go all in on our drag illustrated YouTube channel. So if you haven't subscribed, click wherever that's at on the screen and make sure that you do that. And, uh, what do you got for me, man? We got a lot of ground to cover in what I think is supposed to be like 45 or 50 minutes. Yeah, well, uh, I know you said My bad. the next issue of DI is about to come out, and I believe that's the state of drag, correct? Yes, that's it. So what's the state of drag? Oh, man, that's a big Is there one right now? <laughs> <laughs> I never have gotten completely comfortable with that title, right? Like, I I dreamt that up. It's been, a, I don't know how many annual, what number this would be. I know it's a issue 158, which is unbelievable and that's a whole other conversation 158 issues of drag illustrated holy shit but um state of drag i think this is probably year 10 we've been doing this for a long time i look back on some of the stuff that we put into print early on and i can't help but laugh at our balls like the stuff that we were literally willing to write down and print by the thousands and mail to people i'm going I don't know that I would have the audacity to say some of this stuff now when maybe it's valid, but man, uh, ignorance is bliss, right? Back then, the stakes were low. All we were trying to do was like get to Friday, 
every day it's like, can we just get to tomorrow? Like if we have enough money to get to tomorrow, we've won. And it's the stakes are much higher now and there's so much more significance. Like you hang on, especially in this world we live in today, you have to like double, triple, quadruple check everything you say, make sure that it doesn't mean something you didn't know that it meant. I mean, it's, I give, I tip my cap to anybody that's still out there slinging paper and ink. Like, I'm so proud of the business we've built, the tangible, tactile business that we've built with a magazine, especially amidst a digital revolution, right? I mean, literally, it's happened right on the heels of starting Drag Illustrated. I'm dealing with Craigslist, Facebook, Instagram, one thing after another. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would be competing with those companies, but there are primary competitors here in 2020. It's a wild, wild scene. And I have so much respect for anybody who's been out there in other industries, sticking to it and and spreading the gospel of, of whatever it is they do on the pages of a magazine or with books and catalogs. It's such a it's so easy to dog on it. People like to think it's old fashioned or nostalgic or going away, but I would argue that it's not. I mean, I saw a guy at Best Buy yesterday waiting in line with a freaking vinyl record, right? Like, hey man, some of this stuff that's old fashioned, feels good. Am I wrong? I love magazines. I do too, dude. And I, and I, I don't mean to turn this into a sales pitch, but our circulation's higher than it's ever been. It's the summer of 2020, right? We're like waiting on... Elon Musk to come out with a flying car. But I tell you, car people read magazines like it's for car people. You walk through the, the, the halls of this shop and all you see on the wall are magazine clippings, right? This stuff means it's like the ultimate accomplishment for any car guy to be featured in a magazine. I remember when we put Cletus McFarland on the cover of Drag Illustrated. I think that was last year. Cletus has like the biggest automotive related YouTube channel on the planet. I would argue that he is one of like motorsports most significant A-list stars right now. This guy is getting crazy money for booked in appearances, getting crazy money from YouTube, bought a freaking racetrack in Bradenton, Florida just to screw around at. The dude is killing the game. And when we put him on the cover of the magazine, he actually sent me a text. It was like, dude, I don't know how to say this, but it feels like we've done a lot of cool stuff and we've been involved in a lot of cool stuff, but like you wait your whole life to be on the cover of a magazine, right? I mean, I've sure. never experienced it. I'd love to be on the cover of a magazine, right? I own one and I've never done it. And it's it's still on there on my list of things that I would love to accomplish. Like if I could be on the cover of like Fast Company or Forbes or whatever, it would mean the world to me. Or one of the industry rags, like the SEMA rag is a, is, is a not a derogatory term just before anybody thinks that I'm taking shots. That's like a magazine guy term. If you're in the biz, right, you can say rag. <laughs> if you're in the biz, you can say rag. But like the PRI, Performance Racing Industry Magazine, the SEMA Magazine, if I was on the cover of that or even featured in it, like, please sign me up. If you're listening, somebody that works at any of those companies, I'm open. I'm ready for an interview, whatever you want to do. I'm happy to do it because that stuff means so much. And I'm so proud that we're still kicking ass and taking names with this magazine. 15 years in, like I said, amidst a digital revolution, we are still standing tall and I'm super, super, super proud of it. But yeah, as you said, the state of drag issue, this is kind of our annual effort to take the temperature of the sport of drag racing. 
right? Like I've always thought it was important, an important service that we provide the industry because not everybody can go to all these races. A lot of the people that work in the industry or fans of the industry or racers, enthusiasts, they don't have the ability to go to all these different places and take the temperature in all these different locations. And it felt like an honor and a privilege to get to do that for our readers. So here in 2020, man, my take on drag racing, it's so hard right now because it's such a weird time. But I'm but I have to if I've got to give an opinion right now about the state of drag racing, I'm pretty good with it, man. I really a lot of the stuff and I think that's going to shock a lot of people because we're in the midst of like some crazy, crazy things. The NHRA hasn't raced in four months. We've had multiple sanctions in series struggle, cancel events, reschedule events, have events. We've had tracks get in trouble, cl tracks close, tracks that are a part of drag racing history closed their doors for the whole year. I mean, Summit Motorsports Park, Bill Bader Jr.'s castle there in Norwalk, Ohio, closed. It's closed for the year. It's crazy things are happening. So for me to say that I'm okay with the state of drag racing is probably something that's going to, I don't know, someone's going to have something to say about it. But I'll tell you, let's just look at like the last month of my life and pull some some from that. So here in the last month, I've done a couple of things that really stand out to me as far as the health and wellness of the sport of drag racing. So let's go back to two, three weeks ago when you and I took my Corvette to Texas Motorplex right down the road about an hour for a streetcar takeover. I can't say enough about Chase Lautenbach, Justin Keith, and the whole team that they've put together at Streetcar Takeover. Those events, I'm telling you, do not get the credit they deserve. I'm here to tell you these guys are doing a tremendous service for the sport of drag racing. These are people that by and large don't go to the racetrack. These are people that are at a quick trip looking for a street race most nights. These are guys that don't congregate at the racetrack. They don't go to NHRA national events. It's a whole new breed. And the fact that the streetcar takeover events and the men and women behind it, they've made it fashionable again to go to the track, to go to these events. They've made the, these events have become social happenings. They've got the Friday night dino night. There's so much to learn from what these guys are doing. In my opinion, they they start the weekend off Friday night. It, unfortunately, because of covid, the event here was changed a multitude of times. But typically their events start with a Friday night, basically party at a at Twin Peaks, which is like a Hooters. I don't know if that's probably sacrilege to compare the two, but it's like a it's like that type of restaurant. It's a bar and grill. Great place. Beautiful place. Um, and they they bring everybody together. They've got a DJ. So there's music. They've got contest door prizes. They bring in a mobile dyno and they have like a dyno competition. They just do it all right. And then the next day they follow it up with a full day at the racetrack. Half the day is dedicated to roll racing, which I know is not that popular amongst hardcore drag racers. And then they finish off the day with traditional drag racing. But I want to touch on that roll race thing just briefly. That's what we did with my Corvette and my car. And admittedly, it's a bit of a cluster and the, the process has not been, they've done their best to refine it. I think that's about as good as it can get. Let's remember it's not professional drag racing. It's agreed. It's That's, not it's yeah. not supposed to be. And, and exactly. It's and not supposed it to be. And it was still a phenomenal event. But like looking in the like in the staging lanes, getting ready for a round of racing, I'm looking around and it's like young people, old people, rich people, working class people. 
um, white people, black people, um, brown people, yellow people. I mean, you don't men, women, young, old, just the diversity on display at a streetcar takeover event is something honestly that just warms my heart. Like, I feel like the Grinch, my heart grew three sizes at the streetcar takeover. It really did. It, it, a couple sizes at least. And it's, it's because all these people are there for the right reasons. The payout, I put, what we put up 250 bucks or something. We put up like an additional 250 bucks for each of the roll race categories. They had a king of the bakery, which I think is freaking hilarious, uh, which is kind of like 150 plus mile an hour class. Then they had a 150 in cap class and a 140 cap class. We put up 250, 250 bucks in each class. And you'd have thought, we like invented fire. They gave us a round of applause. I felt so, I'm like, oh man, we probably, they're so excited. We should have done more. I, I, I but I, it was awesome. And it just furthers my point there that they're doing it for all the right reasons. These are people that are just so freaking excited to be doing burnouts and making passes in their car that none of that other stuff, prize money, all that is just it's secondary and it was it's such a big reminder for me like talking about the state of drag and talking about these different things it's so important to remember that for the the bulk of us drag racing is a hobby and a passion it's there are those of us out there that either earn a living in this industry or are trying to on the racetrack. And there are certainly professional sportsman racers and there are professional racers that that make money with their program. But by and large, our sport is comprised of people that do it for the love. And I was so excited to just get in and rub elbows, which is probably a bad thing to say right now because of cleanliness. Hey, it's better than touching hands, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, actually, I'm supposed to rub elbows. I think you're actually I, in the, in I, the I, right there. I know, right? I mean, I'm doing the right thing by rubbing elbows with all these streetcar guys, but it was it was so cool to be there and be a part of it, and I'm, I'm so grateful for what they're doing for the sport of drag racing because it's my... I think the analogy that I like to use the most is like you're never going to turn someone into a bodybuilder if you don't get them to walk into a gym, do you know what I'm saying? Like if you, you're never going to turn them into Arnold Schwarzenegger in this giant jacked human being, if you don't get them to fall in love with going to the gym, if you don't get them to walk through the door, if you don't get them to pick up a dumbbell, if you don't get them addicted to the process, if you don't get that started, I mean, it feels like drag racing on the highest levels. We're just waiting around for like the next billionaire or super rich person to like take a notion to go drag racing, which is great. I welcome them in. That's fantastic. But I don't think we can count on that. We really can't. We What we can count on, though, is trying to open the doors of our sport collectively and bringing these young newbies into our sport. And they're not all young, but bringing these uninitiated people, just the, the average car guy, the auto enthusiast, bringing them out to our events and getting that needle in their arm. Now, that's a big, but it's what it is. It becomes an addiction. We've got to get these people in our gym, right? Like if let's call the, let's call drag racing like a church. We're not ever going to get them to tithe. We're not ever going to get them to dedicate their life to Christ. If we don't get them in the church, we've got to get them to church. And what I see in the streetcar takeover, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the freaking place right now, but I see like a non-denominational church. That's what I see. I see them playing 
Because if you think drag racing is like a Southern Baptist church, NHRA drag racing is like a Southern Baptist church, right? We're like singing hymns, hellfire and brimstone. You better wear your Sunday's best, right? A lot of pressure to go to one of those churches. I've been to one. I'm actually a, a big fan of those churches because I'm kind of old school, right? But my point is the churches that are bringing people to God, the, the churches that are, in my opinion, really doing the Lord's work, and I've turned this into a sermon. Holy geez. Wow. My point, bear with me, bear with, this is good. It's I really good. think it's good. The churches that are really doing the Lord's work are the churches that are opening their doors to everybody, right? Like, Hey, just come in shorts and flip-flops. Just, we're going to play contemporary music. We, you don't have to know the song, sing along. We don't have hymnals. We, we're going to have a really kind of broad message that we're not going to talk about the 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 old testament exclusively we're not going to just speak the tribal language we're going to try to to communicate with you in a way that you can learn something and you can get inspired and you can get involved that's what streetcar takeover is dude they are a freaking non-denominational church with a bunch of long-haired dudes playing guitar and rocking out on sunday morning like that's what they are and it's we need that drag nhra needs that if i was anybody at the nhra I'm like buying streetcar takeover. I'm I'm partnering with them. I am finding some way and maybe it will hurt them if they did. It would hurt streetcar takeover because it would lose some of its outlaw rough around the edges kind of feel. But I'm telling you, or at the bare minimum, let's create a relationship. Let's get those two organizations together because Streetcar Takeover is doing the Lord's work for drag racing. I'm telling you, man, they're bringing people to the track that otherwise don't go, that that don't think there's a place for them at the racetrack. And it's so important that we're bringing those people out to the racetrack. And the, and the reason I bring them up so strongly with the straight of the state of drag conversation is they're headed to Bandemir Speedway in Denver, Colorado. You know, if the good Lord's willing and the creeks don't rise, you know, um, let's hope. But there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in Colorado right now. But streetcar takeovers headed to Denver this weekend, dude, they're sold out of tech cards. You can't buy a you can't enter the race. It's wow. the week of. Right. And you can't enter. They, they have more participation than they are than they can handle. And this has been an ongoing problem. This isn't something new. And for me, I'm going, this is this is so good. It's so good for drag racing that to get these kids out to the racetrack. And I keep using the word kids, but it's 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 young people. It's people that are kids in the sense that they're new to drag racing. And I'm so, some of them are hardcores. There's plenty of hardcores in that camp. Don't get me wrong, but there are tons of fresh faces, people that are just getting their feet wet with the sport of drag racing. And do we really expect that? Now there's examples of this happening, but they're going to go, my goal, my vision, my belief system is such that a guy starts going to the racetrack in his new ZL1 Camaro. It's fun. Car runs 1190s. It's pretty exciting. Wants to go a little faster. He starts by he buys a nitrous system. That's good for a nitrous car. Or he buys a, a centrifugal supercharger. It's good for all these blower companies. He puts drag radials on it. Mickey Thompson, shout out to a longtime advertiser and drag illustrator, one of our, our best partners. That he puts drag radials on it. The car picks up, he's going faster or whatever. Eventually that's not enough. And all of a sudden we got to step it up. We got to get, we got to get a little more aggressive and maybe he buys a, a, an X 275 car. Maybe he buys a, an ultra street car. Maybe he buys a back half 
Vega and decides to go bracket racing. Right. But that we got the process starts there. We got to set the hook, nurture them along the process, teach them, embrace them, encourage them, celebrate them. And my hope is the guy I met this dude. So there and I hope he doesn't watch because I'm going to beat on him a little bit. There was a guy with a ZL1 Camaro in in Dallas a couple weeks ago at Streetcar Takeover. And he was like the quintessential dorky car guy. Right. He's like wearing faded Levi's. He's got new balances, fresh new balances on. I mean, crispy, 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 crispy new balances on. They're not all grass stained. Right. Like he's not ruined them yet. Brand new new balances. Shirt tucked in. Right. He's got a no belt, but shirt tucked in. Shirts tucked in. No belt. Hair kind of slicked back. Wearing driving gloves or like bicycle gloves. Right. And he's racing this ZL1 Camaro. And I'm sure the bicycle gloves made a huge difference. I can't imagine being in a ZL1 Camaro and having having gloves that covered the tips of my fingers. I mean, I don't know why you would ever even buy something like that. Me either. What gives? Wait, what? I mean, I need my fingers free. My fingers need freedom. It's 2020. Especially while you're driving. It, of course. You're holding right? onto the steering wheel. Right? I mean, come on now. There's a lot of stuff <laughs> happening in this car. I can't have a piece of cloth wrapped around my index finger. But homeboy is having the time of his life, Dion. This guy is literally living out all his childhood dreams, racing this car, and it's running like 1190. It's a pretty fast. That's not a slow car. 1190s in the quarter mile. Fast. Doing burnouts. Having the time of his life. I sp- straight split that wig in the roll racing competition earlier in the day crushed his soul but anyways he's having the time of his life that guy he looked at me in the eyes and told me that he'd been looking at some rear engine dragsters and i'm like well, you're gonna have to get different gloves everything else is good i'm thrilled with your enthusiasm but you're gonna have to get different gloves but no he's literally dead serious he's like man i've had this car for a couple of years i know the next step is significant like if i want to make this car way faster i'm gonna have to spend a bunch of money like i'm gonna have to build an engine blah 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 blah. and he goes i thought about leaving it stock and he's like i got a pretty good job man you know no wife no kids and i'm like you shocker um but anyways um he he's going I think I'm going to buy like a, a used rear engine dragster. I've been on racingjunk.com. I've been looking around and it, it, to me, it just, I thought there's no better example of how it's supposed to work. A guy buys a car off the showroom floor, starts modifying it routinely, regularly taking it to the racetrack. He's enjoyed the experience and now he's going to step up and he's going to go, you know, become a real part of the drag racing industry and buy a purpose built race car. This should be music to the ears of everyone who cares about our sport right now. Like if you are not teary eyed or have chills, shame on you. Serious. Like you should be inspired. Like that's the story. That's what we need to happen a million times over. And that's what I give the streetcar takeover guys so much credit for is creating an environment where that can happen. I mean, it's I was actually talking to Chase Lautenbach, one of the owners of Streetcar Takeover. He's talking about he has a, these dudes have like a multitude of cars at any time. Like Justin has the one of the co owners has a uh, right now I think he's got a ZL1 Camaro, a later model ZL1 Camaro. He's got a, a, a newer Dodge Viper. I think it's like a GTS. It's not like the ACR with the big wing on it. And what's his other car? He's got uh, maybe a Corvette. Oh yeah, he's got a C8 Corvette. Mm-hmm. 
So he's got like a fleet and Chase has a Dodge, what's that car? A Charger. Charger. That blue Dodge Charger that Hellcat. gets down. Held Hellcat. What do you tell us? It made 950 to the tire. Yeah. It's, on radials. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And he daily drives radials. Yeah. He daily drives <laughs> drag radials. And like, love big, that. I love this guy. And what's his other car that he has? Um, oh yeah. A Mustang. He told me that he was going to get rid of his later model Mustang and buy like a drag radial car, like dedicated drag car. And I thought, Yet another example of how it's supposed to work. This is work that the NHRA should be doing. Not trying to bag on them, but like these guys are out here doing what needs to be done to grow the sport of drag racing. And they deserve more credit than they may ever get. It's such a huge service they're providing to the sport of drag racing. And I think that right now, knowing stuff like that happens. And I I think in some of the questions, we're going to talk about some of the things happening in drag racing right now. But my take on the sport of drag racing is that our sports in good hands. I I don't, we'll talk about John force and and what's going to happen with John force racing here in 2020 here in a few minutes, but I'm not let John force go away. Let Tony Schumacher go away. I don't, I don't care. I, I love them and I love what they've done for our sport, but I am not at all fearful that there is not another John force waiting in the wings, that there's not another Stevie Jackson the next Stevie Jackson was probably at Streetcar Takeover. The next guy that's going to become this huge, big name drag racer was probably there. You know, 10 years from now, we'll probably be putting him on the cover of the magazine. He was probably there. And that is so freaking important and so inspiring to me that it just it's hard for me to look at any of the other things that are happening in the sport of drag racing and get too upset about it because the change is inevitable. It's going to happen. And the, and the fact of the matter is we've got. 1320 video and and uh, Cletus McFarland, all these YouTube channels that have millions of subscribers and millions and millions of views. When I think about that, I talked to Zach Smith and uh, the guys that are developing these drag racing video games on iPhone. I got you to download one the other day, Door Slammers Drag Racing. Yeah. Ron is the um, developer of that game. They're great guys. When they tell me how many people have downloaded those games... It's millions of people. I mean, do you think that it's crazy to think that there are millions of people downloading a drag racing video game on their freaking iPhone and knowing that just makes me feel good about the future of our sport. The fact that Cletus McFarlane can earn a living doing burnouts on YouTube and building crazy cars on YouTube, that just shows me how much interest there is for car culture and the automotive passion in general. I mean, it may not all be pro stock and pro mod and top fuel and funny car or whatever, the stuff that us diehards and, you know, the hardcore enthusiasts care about, but they care about cars. It's not going away. I actually think car culture is enjoying a little bit of a resurgence. I mean, it's like, and nobody wants to hear this, but I point to the street outlaws I've been saying for years that we needed someone to make it fashionable to have a cool car again. And I know that like I graduated high school in 2002 and I remember being a car guy in that era. I was well past the peak, right? I was weird. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't the super coolest kid in high school because like I had a hot rod. 
like my my little S10 pickup had a small block Chevy in it, right? Ran 1090s in the quarter mile. I drove it to school almost every day, and it's pop to pop to pop to. And every like it wasn't like a way to get checks for sure. You know, it was no. a way to be a weirdo is what it was. And all my friends were like 40 and 50 years old, and I'm thankful for all those experiences. But the cool kids in high school back then, I remember Sean Campbell. His dad was a lawyer. I went to high school with this kid. I've known him my whole life. His dad buys him a brand new convertible Mitsubishi Eclipse, right? Black, tan top, tan interior. And he's like the coolest kid in the world, especially in Kirksville, definitely in Kirksville, Missouri, right? Oh, 100%. And it was, I was happy that cars moved the needle at all in our school. I was glad to see that. I was glad to see that anybody cared what he was driving. That was cool, especially looking back on it, like through the lens of two decades. But my 1987 Chevy S10 with a 406 angle plug head, having small block Chevy and a 700 R4, that transmission, it wasn't cool, right? I'm not saying that that vehicle is cool in 2020, but it's way cooler now than it was then. Having a hot rod car and having a fast car, I don't think has been, look at Dodge. It seems like everything Dodge makes, makes a thousand horsepower. Dodge really only makes muscle cars and one muscle SUV, right? <laughs> I mean, if if they're, I get I get so excited every time I see one of those Dodge commercials where like a red, white, and blue Challengers are doing burnouts across the screen. That's a victory for us, man. That's a victory for car culture. That's a victory for car people, and it's it's hard not to feel good about Dodge just put out a Challenger Super Stock Edition. Superstock is a drag racing exclusive term. Like, well, yeah. I guess they say superstock and like pulling tractors and a handful of other classes, but I believe its roots are in drag racing. The the phrase superstock is drag racing. Don't try to that's steal what it from it's us. known as. It's a drag racing class. They're making a car that's called the Challenger Superstock Edition or whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's a great time, and it's uh, and I refuse to let any of the weirdness of. I mean, obviously the climate we're in right now. I just think it's we're beating a dead horse. If we talk too much about COVID and blah, 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 we get it. Times suck. It's weird for everybody. We're all in this boat together. But my point is that I'm not I don't look at the health and wellness of the sport of drag racing exclusively in top fuel car count or exclusively in pro stock car count. It's great when those things are steady and solid. It's fantastic. But the health and wellness of our sport is really streetcar takeover. It's I was going to talk about I wanted to to mention that I went to Extreme Raceway Park, which is like right down here, dude. It's 56 oh, miles really? from my door. It's in Ferris, Texas. Hmm. Uh, you go through Dallas or whatever, right? And I'm still not great with like where anything's at. Like just yesterday you told me where exactly in Texas we actually are in Fort Worth. Yes. Appreciate you, Dion. <laughs> Um, but I drove to this place, extreme raceway park. I've been hearing about this track for the last few years from no one more so than Keith Haney, Keith Haney, promoter of the Midwest pro mod drag pro mod series. I believe it's now being known as the Midwest drag racing series. He, he has told me the last couple of years, like, dude, you've got to go to this place. It's ridiculous. You've got to go all concrete, well lit, nice tower suites. It's always packed. So it was like eight o'clock 
And it was super hot all day. And I believe, oh, Alicia heard her back. She heard her back in the morning, went to urgent care. And I had planned on going to the races, but I didn't want to leave her with the kids with her, you know, laid up or whatever. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay home. I'll go, you know, they're going to have races forever. I'll, I'll go to another one. So it's about eight o'clock at night. Max is playing Fortnite Shocker, probably with you. Sophia's falling asleep on the couch. <laughs> and Alicia's already asleep on the couch. And I think... I could totally leave and not feel bad about it at all. I've waited my whole <laughs> life. Like they're all occupied, right? Like I don't, dad's not going to be missed right now. So the only thing that I would be missed for was like picking Sophia up and carrying her to bed. So I knew Alicia couldn't do it. So I figured I would have to do it when I get back. So I couldn't be gone all night, but I think I've waited my whole life really to be a, a few miles away from like a badass drag strip that's having badass events. Right. Like this is the closest I've ever lived to a racetrack. So I put it into maps on my phone. Fifty six minutes. I'm out. I literally walked out the door. I'm like deuces. Everybody walk out the door. And I drove straight to to Ferris, Texas, to Extreme Raceway Park for Chris Graves. I think the event is called the Pro Mod Verse Fuel Altered Showdown. And they take a slew of pro mod cars and a slew of fuel altered and they race them against each other. I won't belabor the, 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 the nuances of the race. My point is I roll into this place. It takes me one hour, 56 minutes. I've said this several times. I listened to two friends, big booty mix 13. I'm there. That's the best one. That's the best one. That's right? the best one. If you're not listening to two friends, big booty mixes on the internet or whatever, you're missing out. Anyways, great music. Like if I can be like driving down the road and hear Tom Petty singing over top of some crazy club mix, it's a victory. Bruce Springsteen. Okay, whatever. Awesome. Awesome. Play playlist. Excuse me. I pull into I'm like a mile away from Extreme Raceway Park and I can see the lights and I start to get up on the exit ramp. I'm like, holy shit, are those taillights? Yeah, there's a line to get in this place at nine o'clock at night. Really? Yes, there's a line to get in. <laughs> so this was, I felt really good about this. I just pull up, don't want any special treatment, whatever. I bought a ticket, 25 bucks, bought a wristband, rolled in, signed the waiver, rolled in. And I thought, this place is freaking bananas. I mean, there are people everywhere, everywhere. I'm blown away by it. I'm looking around and there are the pits are full of cars. The parking lot's full of spectator cars. It, it's the, the one of the most exciting things that I've experienced in a while. And I hadn't even seen a burnout or a car go down the track or anything at this point. I mean, it's just it's phenomenal. It's literally phenomenal. So I go camp out. I find my buddy Mick and Lindsay Snyder. Uh, Mick was there with his wife and his son, Cam. And I go find them in the tower and we're hanging out and watching the race. And I watch Kevin Kinsley bust off like a 348 in the eighth mile at 230 miles an hour or whatever. But the big thing, I'm standing there, dude, and I'm, I'm standing on Clyde Scott, who built this facility. I hope he sees this extreme raceway park. This is a bold statement is the nicest eighth mile drag strip in America. It's it is a it is a jewel I am stunned. All, the the well the care that has been put into building this facility and maintaining it is incredible. The passion that exists amongst the people running it, Clyde, and it trickles on down to everybody else involved. The starter, I don't know this kid's name, but he worked his ass off. And you could just tell that everything he was doing, he genuinely cared. I mean, it it, it was incredible. But 
my point is I'm standing along this rail outside of Clyde and his wife's suite. They offered, they were gracious enough to let me come hang out in their suite. I'm sitting there looking out and there are people everywhere, dude. And it's again, to talk about the diversity on display in drag racing, young, old men, women, every race, creed and color all together because of cars, right? It's like music or something. It's just something that has the ability to bring us all together. And I don't think I've ever been, it was one of those proud moments where I'm just looking out, there's an American flag flying behind the tower, right? A pro mod's doing a burnout, Frankie Taylor. And I'm going, this is, our sport does not get the credit it deserves. For, just for the you, the bringing people together that it consistently provides, it is unbelievable. It's so incredible. And I, I, I'm, I've never been more proud of the sport of drag racing and everything that's going on than I am right now and to conclude. And we're going to have to, I know speed up on these next few topics, but like we had a, a million dollar bracket race this past weekend. We've got eighth mile tracks that are beautiful being packed full of fans. We've got Drag racing is on TV. Multiple drag racing related shows are on primetime television. We've got street car. I mean, I talked to I talked to Ron Moen at Vengeance Racing yesterday. He specializes in late model Chevrolet performance cars. They builds Camaros, uh, Corvettes. They'll work on anything, but that's kind of his forte. He literally told me that they they can't take on any more work. There's no more work. They can't do any more builds than they're doing right now. And I know he's not alone. I mean, look at what's going on here. Oh, dude, in this very building. Elite HP's been killing it. Oh, dude, the stuff flies off the shelves. It's unbelievable. Our sport is in a good place. Do we have challenges? Are there things that we're going to have to figure out? Absolutely. freaking lutely But man, you just got to know where to look. And that's what I feel the most proud of when I think about the Drag Illustrated State of Drag issue and what it represents is it's the obvious places to look, the answer may not be there. They're easy. It's fun. I think everybody kind of gets a kick out of talking about like, oh, did you see the entry list for Top Fuel or whatever? I don't even know. How. It, that's great. Top Fuel ain't going away. They're going to be racing that for a long time. I mean, that 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 style of drag, it's going to face some changes and some challenges. All of this stuff will. But I'm telling you, if you look at the grassroots level and in high level grassroots racing, our sport is in fucking good shape, son. Good shape. So that's the prospectus. If you want to get involved in drag racing, now's the time. It's easier to go faster. Now, from a technology and a performance and a mechanical standpoint, it's never been easier to go faster than right now. Like you do not have to go spend $100,000 to have a single digit quarter mile car, 150 mile an hour. That What were we bragging? Our trip didn't end that ceremoniously, but how cool is it that we drove my car oh, yeah. 57 or 60 miles or whatever to the racetrack, beat it like it owed us money. You probably ran 10 or 12 rounds. Passes yeah, at ran least. the dog shit out yeah. of it, basically, and then drove it home. We did run out of gas, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, literally on the exit ramp to the shop, but uh, I didn't see an E85 station. I kept looking, I kept looking, I kept looking, and I'm like, ah, we can make it, we can make it. We couldn't make it, turns out. We almost made it. We almost made it. But anyways, but how crazy is it that you can go run, the car ran 150 mile an hour in the quarter mile, we we won a round or whatever, we got to play, and, and we drove home. I mean, that's what's available to people here in 2020. I mean, 
technology has made it so easy to go fast. Not easy, not but easy, pretty easy. You can take a car straight from the factory and have a really fast car in a short, short period of time with minimal modifications. And that, and that, that notion that shops are busy, I have it on good authority that, and I don't know if many of our viewers or listeners are familiar with like underground racing. They're like a shop out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina that specializes in twin turbo Lamborghinis. If you're in the streetcar world, you're very aware of underground racing. I don't know how many hardcore drag racing types are familiar, but my point at Proline builds all their engines. So like if you're familiar with Eric Dillard and Doug Patton and the gang down at uh, Proline Racing Engines in Ballground, Georgia, very well known for all their exploits in Pro Mod, Outlaw 10.5, Outlaw Drag Radial. They build the engines for this performance shop in Charlotte that specializes in Lamborghinis. And I heard this morning, I don't know if this is like top secret or whatever, but they like, they're struggling to source Lamborghinis. Like they have so many builds on deck that they can't find cars to build. Like they have so many orders on deck. It's unbelievable. I mean, I heard the numbers like nearing 100 like, can you imagine oh a business where you had a hundred customers waiting, have probably already paid a deposit, waiting for their car to, to be worked on by you? Yeah. Holy crap. And I, the reason I bring it up is just to talk about the strength of our industry and the strength of car culture in general. So don't let people, don't let these Jetson electric car people or the naysayers, the the people that love to bag on the NHRA or turn that into a sport, don't let those people convince you that drag racing is in some sort of in shambles or in deep trouble. I'm not saying there aren't parts of our sport that are facing serious change or, or maybe forced to make changes in the future. But by and large, the sport of drag racing kicks more ass today than it ever has. It's the most incredible thing. I've said it a thousand times, and I will say it till my dying day. Drag racing is the great American motorsport. It truly is. The, the best part of a NASCAR race is the drag race to the finish line right? I mean, it's the, it's infinitely relatable. It's easy to understand no matter where you're at. If you've got a driver's license, you've probably pulled up to a stoplight, saw someone roll up next to you. Not today, not today, right? <laughs> I mean, have, everybody's done it. Whipped out on the highway. You did it yesterday in your Jeep, whipped out, kicked it down and passed that dude, which was a little sketchy. I've never ridden in a vehicle without doors on it. Or ripping at 93. <laughs> yeah, we were going fast. And I'm like, okay, even Dion is, everybody is into it. Like, it's not hard to get excited about a drag race. It's so easy to understand. And if it is the last thing I ever do, if it's my last accomplishment, I will make sure that drag racing gets the credit it deserves. We have to quit bashing on it. We have to quit treating it like some sort of second class citizen in the motorsports world. This is the great American motorsport. Drag racing is. And you need to help me spread that notion. We have to, at some point, we have to start acting as if, right? Yeah. Like Ben Affleck <clears throat> in Boiler Room. Act as if. You haven't seen this movie? You're not a movie guy. I just told you last night. I've barely seen any movies. All right, we're going to watch Boiler Room. but We have a list. <laughs> we have a list. Ben Affleck, act as if, man. Act as if you've got the keys to a new Porsche in your pocket, right? Act as if your girlfriend is a, num is a 10, right? You ha Sometimes you have to act the part in order to ultimately 
achieve the role or get the gig, right? Drag racing, it's time we as a sport, we're the largest motorsports that that exists. There are more people going drag racing than late model stock car racing or tractor pulling or whatever else. Drag racing's it. And at some point as a group collectively, we have to start acting as if we know that. So let me ask you. Okay, sorry. That was pretty turned up. Yeah. This is going well. Yes. But we need to switch topics. Okay. We've got time. Do we? Yeah, we actually do. What's that say up there? This thing says we have time. I mean, I know that it doesn't seem like we have time. I'm on my third 20 minute recording. Okay. Which we're will fine. be 60 minutes. We're 10 minutes away from 60 minutes. Okay. We're good. We're um, good. Yeah. I'll go faster now. I just want to know after everything that you just said. Yeah. Do you think that this weekend we know is Indy one of too many? <laughs> um, you know, what What do you think that between running this race, because we haven't raced in four months, what do you think that shows the rest of the drag racing, racing world? Like, what do you think that that's on, you know, at stake here if it doesn't Man. go well? <laughs> I Great question. And I'm glad we get to talk about this a little bit. But A, I mean, first and foremost, I hope it goes spectacularly well. I mean, I really do. I, I, I've thought about this all morning because I knew that I wanted to talk about it and I didn't want to, I wanted to have my thoughts collected and I don't think the NHRA has a choice. They have to do something. They have to, I think that they feel they have to put on a race. So they're, so they're, they're proceeding. I, I hope that everybody's safe and healthy. That for me, the biggest, the most the biggest reward or the most significant upside that exists for this event is just for it to happen without catastrophe. That That's really the victory in Indianapolis this weekend will be getting the race completed safely uh, with no one getting, you know, no sort of COVID related issues, no sort of on track issues. That would be victory. Now, I think that there are going to be a ton of, I saw Brian loans make a post on Facebook this morning. Uh, I was scrolling through and I, I can't remember what the topic was. John Monacalvo, very well-known mountain motor pro stock guy, uh, racer, ADRL world champion. He, he made a post about what's going on in Bandemir. You know, it, there's, and we'll talk about this briefly here at the end of the show. Just the, there's a lot of red tape. I mean, putting on a live event right now, Big or small is a challenge. Like I was a little bit nervous at Sophia's birthday party last night. Like we've got eight people in here. Are we in trouble? <laughs> you know, no, I'm being, I'm kidding. But you know, every state, every municipality has their own rules and regulations. It's not like there is a sweeping understanding of how this is going to work for everybody, right? Some places you wear a mask, some places you don't. Some places you wear a mask when you walk in and immediately take it off. There's just, there's so many different shapes and sizes of the regulations that exist here in this global pandemic world we're living in. And I look at, this first race and I go, they just have to get through it with, without anybody getting sick. No, we can't have any positive reports that happened at this event. I mean, we have, there's so many, and I know the NHRA is doing their absolute damnedest. From what I understand, there's a massive, like not massive, but like a three or four page form you have to fill out. It was long. Okay. There was a form you have to fill and out before you can even go. Everyone has to fill Fans, it out. Uh, media, wear a mask. Crew. 
Right. Got to wear a yep. mask, have to have your temperature taken upon entry. Yep. I mean, they're doing their best and I'm sure they're going to do their level best to uh, create social distancing. And I'm sure there's going to be hand sanitize, uh, sanitizer stations everywhere. I, I know that they will do their absolute best. And I think the NHRA, if there's anything they're good at, it's all that red tape. It's all that rules and regulations. They if love rules. They love that. <laughs> they, love they, they love that. So if they can, you know, be encouraged to add more of them, they're they're going to probably be all for it. Like, oh, sweet. We get to make sure people can only stand in certain spots. Let's hire 10 people. This would be awesome. You know that they're stoked about that. Old but, guys love being in charge. Yes. Old guys love being in charge. They love making rules, man. <laughs> and it's but I saw Brian. There was a post John was mentioning is what happened. Will what's happening at in Denver, Colorado, have any sort of impact on this weekend's NHRA race in Indiana, the next one or anywhere else, you know, along the tour in 2020? And Brian Loans jumped in and he said, I think and I just thought this was a a solid observation. He goes, I don't know that that the politics or whatever at play in Denver are going to have as much of an impact on the sport or the health and wellness or trajectory of, of NHRA championship level drag racing as the television broadcast on Sunday, because there's going to be millions of eyes on the sport of drag racing Sunday. I'm assuming that Sunday's eliminations are going to be on big Fox. Is that is that I'm not sure, but I'm I would not expect. sure that's what I'm I think that's the plan. And He's right. There's going to be a ton of eyeballs on the sport of drag racing Sunday afternoon during eliminations for this NHRA restart. And we can only hope that it's awesome, because if we are if we if we don't put the best foot forward for the sport of drag racing, it I I worry sometimes that these type of things can do more harm than good. Right. Like if people are going, if we're going to have people tuning in, maybe eyeballs that we've never had before, people that are I'm not sure what the lead in is. It's probably like a NASCAR lead in. If, if you get a NASCAR lead in, you're going to have a whole lot of fresh people, a whole lot of people that are going to continue watching just to see what's on next. Don't change the channel, whatever. You got to put on a show for them. It's got to be badass. And I'm just I'm sure I know that there's been countless hours invested. And I know there's been a ton of behind the scenes work that has went into making sure that's the case. But I'm just telling you the pressure's freaking on. If the if there's ever been pressure on a production, there is pressure on this one, man. They have to crush it. They have to crush it. And it's going to be a it's going to be a handful. I mean, I look at the things they're fighting against, just the economic situation that exists right now. The news that came out, I think it's on the list of things to talk about that John Force Racing is not on the the entry list. The is deadline has passed. The deadline has passed to, for pre-entry. And I I hit up as many of my real high level sources as possible this morning. I got after it. I'm like, I haven't talked to this guy in like three years. I should probably like start with how's the kids or so, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I like, uh, I haven't talked to this guy forever. Just I should probably jump in straight. Yeah, what, like, what's up with John what's Forrest? up with Forrest? Do you what's any, up? any light, any chance that he shows that is what I was asking because that's what I, the, Bobby Bennett at competitionplus.com put out a story. I think he wrote it or Tracy Rennick, but he just talked that the deadline for pre-entry for entry has passed. But let's be honest, they're going to change. If if John Force called someone right now and said, hey, man, I slept on it. 
<laughs> we're dusting all this stuff off. We're putting diesel in the trucks. We're on our way. We'll be over there in five minutes. Yeah, we'll be there in 15. They're, they're not going to say close. no. Yeah. They're not going to say no. They will write new rules. They'll just... We'll call it the John Force rule for the rest of time because they'll let him in. So my question this morning was, I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on this podcast talking about something that may not even happen. Right. Like, so John Force isn't on the entry list. Neither is Robert Height. Neither is Austin Proc. Neither is Brittany Force. So the whole entire John Force racing quartet gone, not happening, not coming to the racetrack. I talked, like I said, to all my sources, the best that I can tell is they're not coming. What no one was able to give me any sort of like rock solid answer for the rest of the season. The rumor of course, is that they're closed for the season. That's what I've heard. Next weekend is it. There's a second indie, right? Which yes. is only top fuel, top fuel, funny car and uh pro mod. Pro, instead of pro okay. stock, I think. Okay. So, but from everybody that I've talked to, the, the plan is that they're closed for the season. That's what I've heard. I've heard I, we have plenty of friends in the industry and I hear of people looking for jobs and truck drivers that are all of a sudden available. So I know that there's got to be some truth to that. Is it a big scaling back? I, I don't know. To me, the notion that JFR is just going to cease operation in 2020 seem feels like a stretch. That's hard to believe. That seems like a stretch. It's hard to believe drag racing without JFR. It is. I mean, it is. It's hard to imagine. And I'm sure in any regard in any regard, but I'm I'm sure that's what there's got to be people in Glendora, California headquarters of the NHRA that are going. We weren't quite ready for this. Like, and I, when I say this, I mean the departure of John force, right? I mean, cause anybody who knows anything knew that it was going to happen. Eventually what we find out, I thought he was 65, but he's 71, 71. Okay. Uh, this is another conversation for another day. I don't know how healthy it is for the sport of drag. I'm a big time John Force fan. I nailed it. First point. Wow. First point. I mean, I met him. He has been good to me. I've said this. I've told this story about John Force many times, but he has been good to me over the years for no reason. Like I, I had nothing to offer him early on, really had nothing to offer him. You know, maybe now he would see me as a member of the media and maybe there's something good for his sponsors or some good PR. But like early on in that picture, I was junky, A. But B, I was like early 20s, just getting the magazine started. And that is taken at his shop in Yorba Linda, California. He spent the entire day jacking with me. I mean, we took pictures, did interviews, went to lunch. I mean, he... I, I, no reason in the world for him to be as nice to me as he was. No reason in the world. And I'll never forget it. And that's a, that's something that has continued. I'm not saying we talk all the time. I don't want to be Stephen A. Smith and act like he's my best friend. But yeah, I talk to John Force every once in a while when we see each other. He knows who I am. I know who he is. Um, and it's cordial. And I'm so grateful and appreciative of what he's done for the sport of drag racing, the the various things he's done for me, because I think back to that and I'm always quick to tell people like he was he was willing to be photographed and interviewed for the cover of the magazine. He could have said no. Right. I mean, I've had people not play along. I really have. It probably blows someone's mind. But I've literally had people over the years that tell me eh, interviews and all that and it doesn't really do i'm not i'm out you know but i mean john force the most accomplished drag racer of all time i mean he couldn't give me enough of his time it was unbelievable and i can't imagine the sport of drag racing without him but i'm also not terrified of it 
I think the NHRA is terrified of it. I don't know that there's a contingency plan. I think that they have spent so much time pointing a camera his direction, sticking a microphone in his face that I don't know that they have a plan of action beyond that man. Especially with two other big names retiring this year. Yes. They were probably banking on Are you him. talking Jason Line, Jeg Coughlin? Yeah. Yeah. So and they, they were bank. They were my guess is they were banking on John Force still being there. for a while. Yes. Right. And I and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but even in the force camp, I'm not Austin Proc has promised that kid's good on camera, super good looking, well-spoken, clean cut. I don't know him all that well. He has a, a, a family in racing, right? His dad's a crew chief. He knows the ins and outs of the cars. He's clearly a very capable driver. I think that he's very marketable. I think he's a star in the making. I really do. I think that Austin Proc's a star in the making. But Brittany Force, as much admiration and respect as I have for her, she's very accomplished. She's won a world championship. She's, you know, carried the monster M on her sleeve. She's worked with some of the biggest brands the sport of drag racing has ever seen. But do I see her as someone who has this crazy outgoing personality that's going to carry the sport forward? I don't. Right. Nor do I see that in Robert Height. I think Robert Height has some great qualities, but he's also a guy that's starting to get older. Right. I mean, he's he's not a young, strapping young lad like Austin Proc. Right. I mean, we need some young people that we can put in the driver's seat, some people that can carry us to whatever the next level is. And I don't know that the NHRA has a solid plan. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. It'd be like taking the chair out of this room or something. If I've sat in this chair for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and then you take the chair out of the room, leave everything else the same, but take the chair out. It's a huge problem, right? Like, cause I'm used to this chair. We're all used to this chair. That's what John forces to drag racing to the NHRA. He is this comfortable sweatshirt, right? That we've been wearing for years. It fits us every season, right? I mean, he, it, it's all, you can wear it when it's hot, you can wear it when it's cold, right? You can wear it when it rains, you can wear it when it's sunny. I mean, he's, he's the, the cure all for the sport of drag racing and has been for three decades. I don't know that they are prepared or really ready for what the story is after him. So it's a problem, right? I mean, I just spent all this time talking about all the positives that exist in drag racing. But I said, there are face, there are challenges ahead. There are obstacles that we as a sport are going to have to overcome. And the, the inevitable passing of the torch, it's inevitable going to happen, going to happen. John force is going to retire. And I guess my kind of the point I really want to make is I'm okay with it. Right. That's, I know that that may not be well received by everybody, but my thought is like, we are never going to have the opportunity. Isn't going to truly exist for someone to swoop in and steal our hearts. Right. If John force is still dominating the conversation, right? I mean, he just sucks all the air out of the room. He does. I mean, it's so hard for anyone else to get a word in edgewise. And these are not negative things. It's just, the NHRA keeps going back to the well, keeps going back to the well, keeps going back to the well, keeps putting a camera in his face so many times. It's a bigger story when Don John Force doesn't qualify than when most people win. Right? I mean, that's how significant it is. That's how much limelight he sucks up. And that's great because we've all benefited from it. You and I, everybody we know, 
we've all in some way, shape or form more than likely have benefited from the growth drag racing has enjoyed on the back of John force. John force has done so much for the sport of drag racing, but I believe the universe has provided us an opportunity, right? Maybe a problem in some people's mind, in my mind, an opportunity. When I look at, I haven't looked at all the entry lists because there's been so much conversation about this stuff that I didn't want to like get super. I just didn't feel the entry lists were that big of a storyline. People have been talking about like, man, do you recognize any of these names on the top fuel list? I was like, yes, I do. Geez, you're being dramatic, you know, and there's been some people come out of the woodwork like who'd have thought we'd see Corey Mack, Corey McLenathan jumping back in a top fuel car. All of a sudden, Tony Schumacher's back in a car for this one race or whatever. To me, that looks like some efforts been made to get participation like that's what the NHRA has been spending the last several weeks doing, I'm sure, is ensuring participation, because as I said earlier, the show on Sunday is important. No, I, I can't. I, I don't think it's a good sign. Unfortunately, I don't think it's a, a phenomenal sign, but it is what it is. And my thought to anybody that's headed to Indy or is already there. What an opportunity, right? Like this is the first time in however, like the last couple of times, I think there's been two other instances where John force has missed a race uh, or his entire team has missed a race once was immediately following the, the tragic death of Eric Medlin. When, when Eric Medlin was killed in a text testing accident, the team sat out the next race. Um, then when John force had his terrifying crash in Ennis, right where we were a streetcar takeover and they, and him and Kenny Bernstein got into each other and it was a really, really, really nasty ordeal. The entire team set out the next race. Those are the only times that this has happened. So think about the opportunity that exists for a drag racer, a professional drag racer this weekend to swoop in and steal the show. Like if I'm any of these guys, I am practicing in front of a mirror. I am doing as many interviews as I can. I'm, I'm putting myself, I am readying myself for my moment in the sun because someone I, I pray and here, my fear is I hope that 20 or 30 minutes of the television program isn't burnt up celebrating John force. He may not be here this weekend, but he's with us in spirit or whatever. And here's a 34 minute montage of all John force's greatest moments. Please God, don't do that. Open the door for who's next. Who's next? They're out there. We may not know it. I may not be able to name them right now, but there is someone walking around the pits in Indianapolis right now that is on the cusp, that's ready to be a star, that could be a star. And our sport needs it, man. We need, we can't have the most visible, most celebrated, most fan followed guy in our sport, person in our sport, be a 71 year old man. You can't. I mean, imagine the NBA without LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, but with Bill Russell. Like Bill Russell serves a purpose. We love to have Bill come out, right? But this is a young man's game. And I just, I'm genuinely concerned that we, we've got so many freaking eggs in the John Force racing basket that 
this is going to be a tough pill to swallow this weekend. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. I think fans are going to struggle with, with the, that void. There's no question there's going to be a void, but with that void means there's a huge opportunity. And I, I hope it's a pro stock racer is really what I hope. Do you think he'll show up as a fan? I don't know. Do I think he'll show up as a fan? My experience with that is no. Like most of the people that I know that are really serious, high level drag racers, they they can't be if they don't play spectator well. Right. Like I, it's, I give this story about my own family and it always makes me laugh. Like 2008 or nine, my dad runs an auto repair shop. That's like very well trafficked, tons of foot traffic. And at the time it was a gas station as well. He's no longer a gas station, but he had tons of foot traffic in this place. So I show up there and Kenny Nolling, the president of the ADRL had given me like a box this big full of tickets to this big drag race coming to St. Louis. And he's give them out, give them to anybody. So I took them to my dad's shop and people were picking them up. And now St. Louis is like 200 miles away. So it was a stretch to ask anybody to actually go, but the tickets were moving nonetheless. So I look at my dad and my uncle who are both hard. The, you can't be, more hardcore drag racers than my dad and my uncle, right? This is, it's all they think about. It's kind of, at times it makes me fearful of what my future looks like because I mean, you can't even talk to them about anything else. And I'm, I'm bad about it. Like drag racing is just so, I'm so upside down and in love with this deal that it's hard for me to converse about anything else. But I go, hey, I got some tickets to you guys. You got to come down, man. We'll we'll get treated like kings. This is going to be a blast. We're going to have so much fun. Come down and hang out at the races. And they're like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, no, it'll be great. We'll have fun. Like, well, if there's not a class for us to race, we're not coming. Like, if we can't race, we're not coming. Drag racers are horrible spectators. Like, if you've raced a lot, it's really hard to go to an event and not be in a car. So for John Force... I think no chance. I actually think he probably it, there. There's going to be a certain amount of facing the music that would happen with that, where he's going to have to go explain himself. He's going to have to go talk about all these things. And I don't think he's, if he wanted to talk about it, he'd be talking about it. I mean, there's a deafening silence coming out of John force racing right now. They haven't said a word other than that. They are not going to say a word. All they've done is their only public statement has been that they're not going to put out a statement, right? So we're all left to to guess. So I don't expect to see him there. I think that would be crazy if he was there. And I really hope he's not. Like as much as there, maybe there's some reason that he should be there. Maybe some fans will come if he's there. Maybe some people want to get his autograph. I mean, you can't really get close to him. I'm sure they're going to make him wear a mask and you're not going to be able to go hug him or high five him or anything like that. So I think it's more harm than good. We have to, and this is a little bit of a long winded conversation because there's, there's the, the conversation of what happens next. But for me, I'm excited to see the door completely swung open for someone to, to come out and steal our hearts. And it's happened. I use UFC and mixed martial arts references all the time, but I know that there have been several times that that sport, the people have fans of, of UFC have been like, man, 
the Iceman, Chuck Liddell, retired. There's never going to be anybody like him. There's no, you know, who's going to be next? And the next thing you know, here comes some guy. Here comes John Jones. Here comes Mauricio Shogun Hua. Here comes Ronda Rousey, right? Here comes Amanda Nunes. Who, here comes Conor McGregor. But the, 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 the recurring theme over there is that retirements happen more frequently in that sport. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you're not going to be getting beat up in a, in a squared circle when you're 71, like John Forrest. Right. So it's fantastic. The accessibility of drag racing, right? It's great. It's great that it's something that you can do young, old, weak, strong man, woman. It's great. The accessibility of drag racing is fantastic, but it's like, I saw Garth Brooks say this in his, uh, have you seen, you know, you don't watch movies. Have you watched the Garth Brooks documentary? Definitely not. Okay. So the Garth Brooks documentary actually is worth watching. In my opinion, even if you're not like a Garth Brooks fan, it's, I went to his concert. My wife and I went with, uh, actually Stephen Laurie Matusik, Steve Matusik, the owner, uh, co-owner of Aeromotive fuel systems in Lenexa, Kansas. We last minute bought some floor seats to a Garth Brooks concert, the sprint center in Kansas city, went out, had a nice bite to eat, went and saw the Garth Brooks show. This dude puts on a live performance like none other. But anyways, I'm watching his, his docu series. It's a docu series. I think it's maybe just two episodes. They're long, whatever. He kept doing this thing where he'd say, everything that's a blessing is also a curse right? And he would do this weird hand gesture. I'm going to do it now. Blessing, curse. He's, and he's really, really, really purposeful with all of his mannerisms and the way he speaks. It's hilarious. It's like, I get it, Garth. You're famous. You're putting on an act. I looked at Alicia. She's crying during the Garth Brooks thing. And I'm like, you get that this is like a persona, right? Like, I'm sure this is genuine, but he's acting. I mean, he's definitely acting. If you've watched it, he's definitely acting. But anyways, blessing, curse. The accessibility of drag racing, blessing, curse. It's fantastic that you can drag race at a championship level at the age of 71. That's great. But from a marketing perspective, big problem. Because it's super hard for you 24-year-old young man kind of into cars. How hard is it is is it for you to relate to John Force? You didn't see him in his glory days, right? You know what I mean? You didn't see him burst into flames and see Elvis at a thousand feet and all these tales of John Force folklore. You didn't see it. You didn't experience it. So we need someone out there out front. We need someone on the main stage that can connect with the masses, can incite it, or can create enthusiasm and a connection with with young people because young people are what our sport needs so freaking badly right now. As sad as I am to see an entry list, I just said that I didn't look at it, but it, this is like for uh, I'm painting a picture here, people. As sad as I am to see an entry list without John Force's name on it, I truly know in my heart that it represents an opportunity. It represents an uncomfortable opportunity for the sport of drag racing to grow, to, to, to embrace someone new, to try something else. And, and maybe for the next several years, we're searching, right? Maybe they don't show up this weekend. I believe they're already in Indy. The next John Force is in Indy right now. I believe it. I believe it in my heart. There's someone there with a story, a, a spark, that people can latch on to. I know I can name several of them. I kind of 
feel like we might be in a in a area where where comparable to Michael Jordan ending his career. Yeah. And LeBron maybe not being old enough to take the reins, but in, give it two or three years. Then we have the next break. Yeah, man. I mean, and that's, you need, there's going to be that transitional phase, right? Like there's going to be this moment where, I mean, we are also this year and I wonder what happens with this. Like, will Jed Coughlin Jr. stick to retiring this year, no matter what, even with all the COVID stuff you think? Okay. Jason line I've heard is, you see, he retired once. Right. And he came, but I mean, I think that these, so these two are going to retire. Jason Lyon, pro stock champion, Jeg Coughlin, pro stock, six time pro stock champion. In my opinion, one of the best to ever do it. Um, a true star of our sport. No doubt. I mean, the yellow and black is proudly flown in the sport of drag racing. And, but again, the doors open for someone to swoop in and fill his spot. Right. And it's just there's a George Jones song that I love. Who's going to fill their shoes? And he talks about the people that played the Grand Old Opry. And he talks about all these different musical stars. And it's who's going to fill their shoes. That's the question we should be asking. But we're never going to have the opportunity to fill those shoes if a mother were still standing in them. Right. And that's what's happening in drag racing. John Force is he's stuck in them driving boots and it's great. He's done so much. He's carried the sport of drag racing farther than he should have had to. For longer than I've been alive. Yes. Literally longer than you've been alive. Almost as long as I've been alive. I wish it was longer than I've been alive and not because I want to die. I wish I was younger. Um, I just want to clarify that. Like it gives like, Oh, well, Wes took, that took a dark turn. But I, my point is just that it's, we're never going to get new, we got to have, there's got to be churn. If when he goes away, the doors open for someone else to swoop in and fill that spot. And I'm super excited about that. I really am. And I, uh, yeah, well, closing notes on the NHRA situation. I wish, I hope that we see safe, fast racing. I think there was some opportunities here that I'm bummed that we didn't fully embrace. I thought that what COVID 19 provided the world was the opportunity to start fresh. It, we may not have all wanted it. It was like a worldwide bankruptcy. Yeah, it was like a worldwide. Yeah, well, yeah, that you had to start over. It was a you had to to get out your pencil and start jotting down notes and making sweeping changes. And I felt like the NHRA had a real opportunity to massively shake things up. I hate to see early morning sessions. I was hoping to see some night racing. I'm going, hey man. One of the biggest things that drag racing has pro drag racing is fire, right? Like it's, it's, and you can't see it during the day. Like the biggest, the coolest thing about top fuel and funny car is header flames. Yet we seem to go to great lengths to minimize that, right? Like, let's run these cars at night. Let's put on a Friday night thrill show. Let's do a Saturday night thrill show and lean on the strengths of our sport. One of the sports strengths is the visual aspect, which is never greater than it is with nitro cars at night. Yet we're going to run them at 9 a.m. or whatever. It's it, there's some of these things that, that, that make me scratch my head. But I want to say that I wish everybody well. I hope we have fast, clean, safe racing. I hope everybody's able to stay socially distanced. I don't want to see the facility or anybody there in Indiana get in trouble. I, I just, the, the stakes are high, right? There's a lot of eyes on this stuff. You can't, there's never been more eyes on anything than there are in 2020. I mean, it's insane. The pressure that is on 
everybody is kind of it's unreasonable, but that's another conversation. That's a conversation for another day. I wish everything goes very well in Indianapolis this weekend. I hope you guys have a great time. Nate and Josh are driving over from Ohio or Nate actually lives in Indiana. Now we, you got you and Courtney are going to be there. So that's exciting. Drag illustrated Kings Ridge media is going to be very well represented at, uh, the NHRA's restart. And I just hope it goes as well as it can. Like I said, I personally, I've labored over this. What does victory look like this weekend for the NHRA? And I think it's just a safe, complete event. If they're able to get through to Sunday, crown winners, that will be a victory. And and that's really what has to happen. They have to have a safe weekend because anything less than that, it's just going to be a snowball because we've had time to get our ducks in a row, right? We've had time to get a plan. We, we've had time to incre- you know gain or to seek out some participation. They've had the time to do those things. So it's not like this is getting thrown together. It's been in the planning stages for quite a while. And I just hope it goes according to the aforementioned plan. I really do. I think pro stock is going to steal the show. There are 22 cars entered in pro stock tons of hitters. There's, I mean, almost all of those cars are legit touring cars, cars that are drag raced professionally. And I think that there's an opportunity for pro stock to swoop in and steal the show. My personal opinion on the pro stock component is if I was in HRA, I think this might be time might be the opportune moment moment to really embrace pro stock right? Because they have played second fiddle for a long time. Pro stock has played second fiddle to the fuel cars for a long, long time. And maybe it could be argued rightfully. So the top, top fuel and funny cars, faster, bigger name, all these things, the, the, the 10,000 horsepower, 300 miles per hour, header flames, really loud, blah, 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 blah. Pro Sock has the opportunity to steal the show this weekend. I think the side-by-side competition, the fact that there are going to be a ton of really, really competitive drivers, really competitive cars doing battle in a single location. If I'm in HRA, I'm going all in on Pro Stock because to me, it looks like the most stable class that exists in drag racing. In professional drag racing, there is more stability in Pro Stock right now than anywhere else. No question. And the using the word affordable in drag racing is a bit of a joke, but it's probably the most realistic, realistically affordable class in, in professional drag racing. I mean, so few people have the millions and millions, excuse me, millions of dollars required to go top fuel racing at even a couple million, even at a low level, right? To not even be a, a world beater. For a fraction of that investment, you can go race at a championship level in NHRA Pro Stock. And again, that's not at all affordable. But when I look at the the whole scene of professional drag racing, I see which class has, which eliminator has the most upside right now. Pro Stock and Pro Mod, I mean, I and I think it's Pro Stock. There's so many nuances to Pro Mod, rules, situations, new power adders that are being sorted out. There's so many, there's so much technology over there. Not that there's not a ton of technology in Pro Mod or Pro Stock, but there's kind of like problematic Pro Mod technology, boost control. Oh, there's so many variables over there. And there's just lesser, there's less so in Pro Stock. I mean, it's, we've got a rule package that's rock solid. We've got 
participation. We've got, I won't say controlled costs, but relatively controlled costs. We've reduced the schedule. We've done so many of the things that needed to be done to make the class sustainable over the long haul. We've got what we wanted. Let's go all in on it. Let's celebrate these guys. Let's reward them. And I really hope the NHRA shines a very bright light on pro stock drag racing. Because when I look at 2019, two things that I look at that tell me all I need to know. The the winner, or not the winner nationals, the NHRA finals last year. That first round matchup between Erica Enders and Greg Anderson with championship implications, him strategically sandbagging and qualifying to get lined up with Erica in E1. I have goosebumps, literally, talking about it. Stole the show in 2019. That run was the biggest run of the whole season. Every race. The biggest moment. The biggest moment in pro drag racing in 2019 was Greg Anderson and Erica Enders round one at the NHRA finals in Pomona. You can't argue it, at least not with me. It was spectacular. And the fact that you can have a moment like that in a class that's routinely treated as if it didn't even happen. I mean, most of the NHRA broadcast, you're lucky to see any pro stock. Right. I mean, you see very little of it, bits and pieces. You see a, a mashed together version of it. It drives me insane. And some of the best racing that's happening in our entire sport is happening in pro stock. So I hope this weekend, the other thing was the barn burner that was the Drag Illustrated World Door Slammer Nationals. Pro stock was our headlining attraction. Greatest race, ever. Greatest race of all time. I mean, unbelievable and i'm obviously biased and but i'll i'm trying to be unbiased i mean it was special right am i wrong everybody have i talked to about it like man yeah i know this is a rabbit hole but it was spectacular right pro stock was the show it was it stood tall as the show of that race and i didn't get any complaints people loved it people absolutely loved it so when i look at the nhra and what they're facing in 2020 Come on, man. Let's get on board with Pro Stock. Let's just accept it and embrace it and try to make something of it. Let's try to grow it. Let's try to build it. Let's pour fuel on the fire instead of consistently snuffing it out. So, is that it? Yeah, I mean, give me three things to take with me this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, I, I, this is a good little ending thing. Uh, three things to take with for racers to take with them to the racetrack. Well, if you're going to the NHRA U.S. National or excuse me, the NHRA National event in Indy this weekend. Again, I encourage you to put yourself out there. You're never going to have an opportunity like you have this weekend. We're going to have increased visibility visibility probably at the highest level it's been in a long time. You're going to have the hard. All the hardcores are going to tune in because we want to show our support. Right. All the accidental channel tuner inners, that's going to happen. All the people that just leave it on Fox. I mean, we're going to have a lot of visibility this weekend. So I would say embrace the opportunity. Now is your time to shine. It's I really hope someone steps up and you don't got to throw a helmet. It might not hurt. Uh, and you don't have to drop a bunch of F bombs. Might not hurt. 
carburetor into a pond. Yeah, you don't have to throw a carburetor into a pond if you can find one. Um, but I mean, you literally, you don't have to be extreme. Be authentic. Be yourself. Put yourself out there. Say what you think. Live with the consequences, right? People will embrace you for being your, the most authentic version of yourself. Uh, secondly, be safe. This is a weird, weird time. I, I literally, drag racing, I don't, I'm going to say that this isn't the most like cleanest environment in the world. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, so like wash your hands. I think that I encourage everybody. I'm not a big mask wearer. I'm not a big. That's not something we do in Texas. It's not something we do in Texas. But I encourage you to be safe. Uh, take precautions. There are lives at stake. I've never, ever, ever. I've spoken a lot publicly on this, on COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic. But I don't ever want to make light of the health risks. I think that there's a lot of information out there. And everybody is, you're all grownups. You can make your own decisions. But I encourage everybody to take, to be safe this weekend. And my go-to is break clean. Just kills everything corona included man break clean is uh break clean did you break clean is the real deal bro it i i think my dad drank it when i was a kid yeah break clean hit us up bro but anyways uh and thirdly man have fun i think that i'm gonna go to the midwest pro mod series drag race at uh extreme raceway park i'm gonna i'm gonna make this place my second home i love this racetrack i love the people i love the enthusiasm it's nice it's everything that i like about a racetrack so and i'm gonna go to the midwest pro mod drag race uh pro mod series event this weekend they're racing top alcohol funny cars for twenty thousand to win which is historic in and of itself another reason to be excited about drag racing in 2020 they're racing top alcohol funny cars which for eons have been seen as anything other than the show they're gonna these guys jim and annie whiteley and all these uh, alcohol funny car guys they're going to get treated like royalty this weekend and i'm super excited for them so i, I encourage everybody to go out and have fun because that's the thing that gets lost in all this is drag racing is supposed to be fun. Very few people that, that do a burnout and stage up a race car are making any money doing it. Don't get me wrong. They're out there. We had a cat win $1.1 million at a bracket race this past weekend, but by and large, that's the exception to the rule. The rule is you spend a lot of money going drag racing. That's the rule. There are those that are able to make money and generate revenue from the sport of drag racing. And thank God for those people. But remember, most of us do it for fun. Have fun this weekend at the racetrack. I know that I'm going to. You should do the same. I'll be working. You can have fun at work. You can have fun at work. Yeah, but I'm have fun, man. It's going to be great. I think this is a good first episode back. I think we crushed it. All right. Yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Here's another thing, man. Leave reviews on on Apple, what's it called? On iTunes or the podcast thing. It makes a huge difference. And please leave us a review. I'm going to steal an idea from Gary V. He reads some of the reviews. So let's read some of the reviews. You can read the reviews. You'll get a shout out at the end of the show. That's what we'll do. So till next time, guys, thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon, right?